Welcome to The Forest and the Trees, Global and Local Perspectives on the Environment with your host, Melinda Tuhus. Today's show, we're going to focus on environmental justice um, and specifically environmental justice here in Connecticut. There, it's an issue so many places around the world, but um, we're going to be talking about what's happened already to uh, bring about uh, some measure of environmental justice and what still needs to be done. So my guests are... Uh, Representative Geraldo Reyes, who is a fourth term uh, Democrat representing part of Waterbury, Connecticut. And Julie Mar Ortiz is the environmental campaign lead for PT Partners. And we're going to hear more about that too. So um, let me start with, with you, Representative Reyes, because sitting a little bit removed from, I'm not in your district, but hearing you speak many times, um, I feel like environmental justice is maybe your your go-to issue. Um, it seems to be a, really a top priority for you. Would you uh, agree with that? Or even if you don't agree with the way I worded it, just tell us why it's important to you and uh, a little bit about what you've done about it. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Ms. Melinda. And uh, good to see Ms. Julie Mara on the, uh, on the call as well. Um, one of my main focuses to actually even advocate for being a state representative was completely uh, comes out of the environmental injustice uh, field. And uh, one of my main drivers up here, I've been part of the environment committee for the last uh, seven and a half years. And uh, um, I believe that uh, from personal lived experience of environmental injustice in Waterbury, gives me a great perspective to be able to come here um, as a, a person who comes from industry. I spent 36 years as a manufacturing engineer, so I come from the industrial uh, background so I can bring a corporate perspective as to uh, what we did right, what we didn't do right, and what we can do different. And then uh, when it came to uh, pollutant entities in the, uh, in the south end of Waterbury, which is what I represent, uh, and the residual the industrial revolution, uh, that we've been left to clean up. Uh, I have plenty on my plate to come here and advocate for. Wow, yeah, that's 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 very interesting. I mean, in terms of your background, it's probably so different than most of the people that I know about who work on this issue who are either, you know, uh, involved with environmental nonprofits or or people, you know, who, um, you know, are just the direct victims of of the pollution, which I guess you are too, but but in terms of the industrial background you have, that is, that is quite uh, quite interesting. Um, and uh, so Julie Marr, tell us what is PT Partners? And you, you work in Bridgeport. Yeah, so uh, PT Barnum um, Housing is actually one of um, several uh, public housing apartments in Bridgeport. It's actually the largest and um, PT Partners, uh, is um, the resident-led, you know, almost like a tenants union um, group of residents that it started off with PT, but now has crossed over to Trumbull Gardens and Green Homes, which are the other um, large public housing units in Bridgeport, 
where residents come together and they tackle various issues that have to do with racial equity, um, women's equity. A lot of the people who live in public housing in Bridgeport are um, the households are headed by single mothers. And so um, a lot of the women in our community took the opportunity um, a few years back to create, you know, create coalition around housing and justice issues and created PT partners. Um, we're also backed by uh, 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 the United Way of Coastal Fairfield County, which is our fiduciary partner. And so we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, and, you know, part of my work with PT partners right now is working as their environmental campaign lead. So we know that communities of color um, especially our communities of low income are most affected by environmental injustices. Mm -hmm. And um, PT is located right next to several polluting industries. And so it's an issue that we've really in the last couple of years have um, put more emphasis on um, training residents, educating people around the community about, you know, environmental injustices and uh, creating spaces for them to advocate for themselves as well. Okay, good. Just to just for my information, um, are you a resident of the? PT no, party? so I'm not a resident. I grew up in Bridgeport, um, though, and I grew up in the neighborhood where PT is also located um, on the west side of Bridgeport. So I feel very close to the community, and I got connected with them. Um, I was working in the offshore wind industry uh, before this as a lobbyist, and I got connected with this group. And um, when I when I left my last job and saw that they were, you know, looking for someone to help advocate for environmental justice issues, I jumped at the opportunity. Well, that is that's also very interesting that you were a, a lobbyist for offshore wind. That's another I guess that's another show. We could work on that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Jerry, is it OK if I call you Jerry? Yes, that's fine, ma'am. OK, Um Tell us a little bit, get, get a little specific about some of the injustices, some of the polluting uh, facilities, because I know that you, I've heard you speak before, and I know there's just like a lot. It's kind of overwhelming how many there are. So to to that point, uh, what got me uh, interested in the, in the topic of environmental justice law was the fact that they were shoehorning in uh, one more uh, uh site, a pollutant site, if you will, into the south end of Waterbury, which already had over a half a dozen polluting entities already there. You mm -hmm. know, unfortunate we already have the uh, the waste treatment plant is there, the town dump is there, uh, uh, the asphalt plant is there, there's a concrete plant there, um, and there's uh, probably another three, four uh, industries that are all down there. So the quality of the air in the south end of Waterbury, which I tell everybody, you can believe that it's in the south end of Waterbury, but it's all in the region. It's all greater Waterbury. I mean, these folks that live in the burbs think that the, their air quality is any better. They're mistaken because it's all that separates Waterbury from these other uh, buries are nothing but some hills. And the wind goes and the wind blows where it blows and it goes and brings the air quality to their neighbors as well. That's why I believe that all of us have to pull together to improve the quality of air that's in the south end of Waterbury because then the entire region wins. So the, my my whole my whole pushback was when I said enough is enough down here, not one more polluting entity down here. And uh, to my disappointment, after a, a year battle with uh, Deep and the uh, and the environmental justice 
law and the appeal and the hearings, we lost. And uh, it didn't sit well with me. And I took the uh, fight to Hartford. And I've been advocating for environmental justice law improvements for the last seven and a half years. I've had two iterations of the law change since I've been here. Um, it, it, it is an uphill battle. Uh, there are, uh, there are today, today there are 13 Latinos in the legislature and, uh, 40 altogether with the black and Puerto Rican caucus and Latino caucus. So, uh, traditionally, uh, people of color, which are most affected by the injustices of, uh, of these laws, uh, haven't been advocating here in Hartford for betterment of our communities. So, uh, to, to that point. Um, I, that's all I've been talking about since I've been here. And uh, that's what it takes. It takes people that have been marginalized, communities that have, uh, I still live in the community I was raised in. I still live in the South End of Waterbury. I still know when there are things gone foul down at the waste treatment plant because the air blows right through my yard. So I know exactly what's going on in the South End of Waterbury and what's not going on. Um, th th these things uh don't happen by accident because i as i've advocated over and over and over again you'll never find the waste treatment plant anywhere near that beautiful 18 hole country club and uh and this isn't by accident it's all by design that uh those marginalized community with least representation and with the either with no voice or the a little voice are the areas that continually get dumped on right and i know there was there are studies that have shown national i guess studies that show that um, race is even more, or ethnicity is even more of a factor than income, that sometimes middle-income neighborhoods that are more people of color, especially African-American, I think, are, are still more likely to have these kind of polluting facilities um, than, you know, than a lower-income white neighborhood. So it's, it, it, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not by accident. Yeah, um, you're right. And it's actually set, black Americans are actually 79% more likely to to live within polluting uh, areas than than white Americans and also black Americans uh, breathe 56% more pollution than they cause. Well, that's an interesting data point. I haven't heard that. Um, and, and, and in and in Hartford's situation, you had the, the infamous town dump uh, up on the North End. And you had the mayor plan on the south end. So it's, uh, I, you know, again, no coincidence. Right. I, I you know it's funny when you were talking about how, you know, air pollution travels through the air and doesn't necessarily respect uh, town lines. Although, you know, it's it's denser in, in the areas, usually, usually at least it's denser mm -hmm. and worse in the area that surrounds closely surrounds these facilities. But, you know, I live in I live in Hamden, just outside the New Haven line. And mm -hmm. my air, I always feel I always feel like it's pretty clean, like it's not oppressively dirty. But if I go hiking in other parts of the state, like if I go up to Litchfield County and go hiking, it's just so, it's, it's like black and white. It's like yeah, you breathe so, it in. It feels good. It's so yeah. I'm, oh, I'm really breathing clean air now. Mm -hmm. So it's it is you know it, it it really impacts well a lot of people and our whole state is basically out of compliance with or almost the whole state maybe not Litchfield County, um, but Fairfield County, New Haven County, um, and I think three or four other counties in in our state are out of compliance with you know federal clean air laws. So that's definitely a problem. Um, so uh, if if you could 
briefly, um, Jerry, tell us what the existing law right now, what, what does that say? What, what does it protect? What, what doesn't it uh, protect in terms of people's right to clean air and clean water? So the environmental justice law that we advocated for change, and that was uh, three years ago, um, it changed to actually cap the number of polluting entities in a particular census tract or zip code, if you will. So, for instance, uh, the South End of Water Bay, where I live, where we're already in the past six, uh, we capped it off uh, at eight. So I have a, a, a kind of few, my backyard is an industrial, uh, an industrial zone, if you will. And as I said earlier, we have the asphalt, the concrete, we have the waste treatment plant, we have the, the dog pound, uh, a variety of another 10, 12 factories that are over there. And the quality of air down there is horrific on certain hot, humid summer days. So the, the law the law now puts a cap at, uh, I believe it was five is the number that we settled on. Uh, but for a region that I represent in Water Bay, we're already over even that cap. And five is five pollutant entities is a lot. That's not a small number. Um, and then what the other piece that we thought that was very crucially important, which is where, where water barriers were failed, is that there was no appeal process whatsoever to any decision made by DEEP and or the environmental, as it pertained to the environmental justice law. So we were able to put an appeal process and we want to expand on that appeal process going forward in this legislative legislative session. Okay, so so there's already a cap, um, but is there something in the in the this coming this the current session that would um, allow for uh, the consideration of cumulative impact? That is that or is that already in the law? That's already in the law, and uh, we're we're expanding that. Uh, we may even want to lower the cap again from five uh, because five is a is a lot in one particular uh, uh, zip code or particular census tract, if you will. Um, but that that piece is already in the law. Okay. Okay. So, and we're we're going to talk a little more later about uh, what's happening right now in terms of people working toward uh, improving getting getting this new new bill passed, but. Julie Mart, um, just tell us a little more about, um, you know, the day to day for people uh, in in PT Barnum uh, and and the other housing developments that are in in Bridgeport. In terms of, uh, you know, Bridgeport is kind of interesting. It's plunked in the middle of Fairfield County, which is one of the wealthiest counties in the entire country, and Bridgeport is you know one of the poorest cities in the country. So. And and it's racially. Um, well, I'm not sure what the racial composition is actually of of Bridgeport. So maybe you could uh, tell us a little more about that too. Yeah. So Bridgeport has changed a lot over the years. I think the last census data um, did show that the largest population in Bridgeport now are Latinos, and um, we have uh, majority. Um, people of color, uh, Black. Um, we have a lot of immigrants who come and live in Bridgeport from places all over the world. And so it's a very, very diverse community. And you're right, it's one of the places that is the most left out. Um, I often say Bridgeport and Waterbury are, are like cousins, you know, when Jerry was uh, was talking about 
the South End and how they have uh, the treatment plan and the um, concrete plan and the waste incinerator, that's PT. You know, these residents live surrounded, you know, within walking distance. This is like a block over, two blocks over from those exact type of industries. And so one of the things that um, Representative Reyes talked about was the smell from the sewage treatment plant. And that's something that PT residents have been fighting for decades now. Fortunately, uh, a few years ago, the Depart uh, DEEP um, pushed back on the WPCA. There was a lawsuit that now required them to make upgrades to their plant because they were polluting the Long Island Sound. And what we've been um, working on the last couple of years with, uh, honestly, very little success because of just how much the pushback is from the WPCA is trying to make sure that residents' voices are part of the conversations with the construction and the upgrades and making sure that there will be no smell. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone anywhere wants to live somewhere where, you know, you can, you can smell sewage. Um, and these residents who are some of the most low income, you know, they have to, um, some, some of them who live closest to the plant in building 20, um, they have to plug in air purifiers in their homes. And so their electric bills are going up because they're trying to do whatever they can to make sure that their own apartments, you know, smell okay enough to just live in. And that's because of the sewage treatment plant right next door. Wow. Yeah. New Haven sewage treatment plant is sort of at the, at one end of a, of an industrial zone, um, which mostly is trucking and, you know, moving, uh, moving stuff in and out of that uh, by the, uh, you know, down by the water, but um, on the other side is a park. So there are no homes immediately around it, although there are some that are, you know, that are pretty close. Um, and sometimes I, I ride my bike through there and sometimes I can smell it. Sometimes it's really strong and sometimes I can hardly smell it. I guess it depends, you know, what's going on at that particular time. But um, right. I, yeah. And it does fluctuate. I would just you know, PT is a, you know, there's 18 buildings, 360 units, and there's over 1,200 residents who live there. Um, and so New Haven, I guess, is fortunate enough that, you know, they don't have residents living right next door, but down here in Bridgeport's West Side Plant, it's right next to PT. And there's actually a daycare right next door. There's, you know, several parks in the area. There's a school, right, maybe a block or two away, an elementary school. Um, and, you know, we know that back in the day, and hopefully this will change, is people on purpose made these decisions to say, hey, we don't want these uh, sewage plants or concrete plants or waste incinerators in our neighborhood. Um, let's just put them over there because, you know, these residents don't have the advocacy that they should have and representation that they should have um, in their legislatures. And so now I think the big shift that I'm seeing is number one, um, environmental justice is being taken more seriously. I know that um, there's been calls to uh, call environmental justice for what it is, a, a, a health crisis in the state, a health emergency. And that's definitely um, something that I agree with because what this means for residents is that a lot of them really do struggle with health issues. They have chronic asthma. I have students in my youth program who sometimes can't even go on trips because they're scared that their asthma is going to flare up and that they can't participate. I have mothers with cancer. Um, there was a woman 
with a devastating story just last year who lost her newborn child, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about the health impacts there, it's not just statistics to us. These are our neighbors uh, over here in PT. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you raised that because I was going to go there, which is the whole issue of different, you know, uh, respiratory issues, but especially asthma and especially as it affects uh, black and Latino children, um, both, I mean, Hartford, I'm sure Waterbury too, New Haven, all, all the cities have phenomenally high childhood asthma rates. And that just impacts them so much. And I, when I was a teacher in Boston, a daycare teacher, I, I remember sitting with a, a mother and her child and when he was having an, a, an asthma attack and it was the scariest thing I, I almost I've ever experienced. It was horrible. You know, if you can't breathe, it's pretty dire. So, um, and you know, the hospitalizations and all the missed school and, um, you know, on and on. And obviously adults also suffer from asthma, but usually it's, it seems to be what I hear more about is, is the impacts on children. So um, let's, let's actually talk about that a little bit in terms of this uh, effort now to pass, you know, I, I don't know, is it, is it a whole new law or is it just an amendment to the existing law, Jerry? going to be uh it's going to be uh an amendment uh the ej law uh on the books uh will pre pre predominantly most of it will stay there so it'll be some amendments where there's two two things that are important at this point uh i there's a, a small committee of uh, uh folks that are very very interested in the ej law expansion uh, and and those associates are Representative Misha, Representative Palm, Representative Sims, and Representative Rosario. So those are the four that are are are, are advocating along with myself here in the in the Capitol, and we're working very closely with the chairs. And our our particular opportunities to work with uh, with uh, Chairman Joe Gresco from Stratford. So and 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 I wanted to say that we're looking to see what the CJAC bill proposal is going to look like. They're supposed to do a environmental justice bill that they're going to turn over to our committee to be able to, to see where they are versus where we like to be. CJAC, that's the Connecticut Equity and Environmental Justice Advisory Council. And uh, that meeting is going to happen, I believe, this Thursday here between DEEP, that particular committee, Commissioner Dykes and the associates that I mentioned earlier, which would also include uh, Michelle, uh, Representative Michelle and Representative Palm, who have been uh, a very, very advocate, uh, strong advocates for EJ law. And uh, and I and I think that it's so immensely important that people of color be at this table, because, I, as I said earlier, this has greatly affected our communities. We're the ones with the high asthma rates. We're the ones with the high absentee rates. We're the ones with the poor air quality. And um, and the last thing I will mention on that is uh, two years ago, uh, President uh, Biden said that he was going to take a look at EJ uh, environmental justice in every single bill that came out of Washington. He was going to take a look at the impact from the EJ standpoint. And I took that opportunity to, to bring that to my soapbox as well. Good, good. Um, and uh, in terms of the allies that are working on this, like you and I have both been participating to some degree in these meetings that um, have been uh, 
organized, I guess, by uh, Alex Rodriguez at Save the Sound to really educate people and, and get support for, for this when it comes up. So I guess it'll be a matter of partly, you know, just recruiting people to give testimony when, Mm -hmm. whenever that is, do we, do we know yet when there'll be, when a hearing will happen or don't we, isn't that date set yet? Uh, that date is not set yet, but we will absolutely have a public hearing on that particular bill because it's crucially important. It's one that we're strongly advocating for. We will definitely have a public hearing on EJ law. Okay, good. Yeah, that was very definitive. <laughs> um, well, we are running out of time pretty quickly here. It always happens. Um, I'm just going to ask each of you, um, maybe for a closing remark, something you'd like listeners to know going forward. Um uh, we're airing on uh, February 9th, so uh, a few days from now. And, you know, there's lots of things, I'm sure, in the hopper for both of you. So, uh, Julie Mar, do you want to go first? Sure. So um, it is Black History Month, right? We're in February. And I'm taken back to um, the height of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, where people shouted in the streets, we can't breathe. And every time I hear that um, these days, I'm working on an air quality campaign and I really think about uh, air pollution and the fact that, you know, for decades, um, communities of color haven't really been able to breathe, you know, because of um, polluting industries. And so I, I don't want people to forget that this is also part of a racial justice movement. Um, because it's really important to bringing equity to the state that we address these issues. And so I encourage um, people to, you know, get educated and to continue to advocate. And if um, uh, whenever the hearing is for the bill to come out and testify and to share their stories, because they really do make a difference. Okay, great. And Representative Reyes, how about you? Thank you very much for the opportunity. So, and uh, Julie Martin, thank you very much for your advocacy for the folks down in the uh, southern coast of uh, Connecticut. The, uh, you know, the, the the we're dealing with the residuals of an re- industrial revolution gone by. Manufacturing is completely different today than what it was 100 years ago. The responsibility and accountability that uh, we're asking people to do today, some of it is making up for sins of the past. But we, as a, as a, as people who are uh, input in the lawmaking uh, with lawmaking capability opportunities, have every right to advocate to 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 clear up and pay and 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 and, and be better, do better than those that came before us, and try to leave the earth a little better than when we found it. Uh, I uh, I am surprised at, and and sometimes appalled at. Uh, how uh, some of these uh, towns and cities that uh, look like the South End of Waterbury are underrepresented at places where decisions are being made for them, but not by them. And uh, this is, uh, uh, I have dedicated my uh, law career to actually uh, advocating for those that have been suffering through the worst air qualities, through the worst smells, uh, putting up with more than they should have ever been and have to, um, and and looking to rectify and do right by the communities to enhance it for the uh, for those that are that are being raised there now. Um, I think that we as a community can do a lot better, and our voices our voices sometimes are not heard simply because we don't know where to bring them. But uh, I've been given an opportunity to have a big bullhorn up here, and I'm using it. 
All right. Thank you both so much. I've been speaking with Juliamar Ortiz from uh, PT Partners down in Bridgeport and Representative Geraldo Reyes representing Waterbury or part of Waterbury in the Connecticut General Assembly. You've been listening to The Forest and the Trees, global and local perspectives on the environment with your host, Melinda Tuhus. Tune in on the second Saturday of every month at 9.30 a.m. here on WPKN 89.5 FM for more environmental news you can use.